You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Thursday, everybody. I'm uh, putting this podcast out this morning because... I'm going to hunt Thursday night, and I'm not going to come home and try to do a podcast and edit it after I've been sitting in a tree, and there's there's a potential that uh, I might be dragging, too. It's this time of year, you, you absolutely never know. Uh, we just had a, pod, or a podcast. We just had a cold, a huge thunderstorm come through on uh, Tuesday night of this week, and it dropped the temperatures, it just washed everything out, so basically for me, that means I'm I'm starting from scratch as far as uh, scent's concerned, um, I just feel that a really good solid rain relieves a lot of the pressure off of uh, some of these properties as far as human intrusion via scent is concerned, so I'm looking forward to getting out to a couple pieces of property that I have yet to hunt or a couple pieces of property that I'm going to be hunting in a different, uh, a different portion of the property. And, uh, man, that, that rut is almost here. I'm, I'm starting to get freaking excited about it. And another guy who is freaking excited about deer hunting is my brother from another mother all the way up in North Dakota, Lucas Psycho, who is uh, our guest on the show today. And basically, um, I, I wanted to start this off as a hunter profile, but it turned into a, a BS session. And uh, that's what that's what this, this podcast was today is uh, two buddies talking about deer hunting. I basically asked him a lot of questions about uh, the public land that he hunts up in North Dakota, um, how he cut his teeth on that public land, uh, about how him and his dad – you know, kind of uh, learned how to hunt together and, uh, you know, some other uh, tips and tricks that he has learned throughout the years as far as, uh, you know, running gun setups. And uh, we talk a little bit of gear at the end, but, you know, it's just cool 
to share stories, share conversation with people like ourselves who are diehard hunters who just love the animals that we chase. And uh, Lucas is one of those guys. Uh, so listen all the way through this. This is, you know, it's one thing to interview a guy who you just met and you start a new friendship, but it's a different to interview a guy who you've known for a very long time and you're, you're buddies with. And, and Lucas is a, a buddy of mine and I met him through hunting. Hunting has opened a lot of doors for me uh, as far as, you know, a little bit of business, but more about relationships and making friends uh, through through bow hunting in particular. And uh, definitely Lucas is one of those guys. But before we get into uh, this BS Session podcast, let's hear from John Livingston from Deer Lab about how easy Deer Lab is to use. Deer Lab is super simple. We basically give you tools to drag and drop your photos from an SD card or from your computer directly into Deer Lab, and we automate a majority of the process. We automatically sync with your w- local weather station and bring in weather data that trail cameras can't capture. We also uh, bring in um, automatically organize all of your photos by date. We give you tools as far as filtering and all that, but it's really super simple. Um, as, as long as you can drag and drop or select photos from your computer, you pretty much know how to use Deer Lab. If you guys want to learn more about Deer Lab and receive a 30-day free trial, you need to go to DeerLab.com backslash nine fingers. And that's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, no spaces. DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. And you will receive a 30-day free trial just for showing up. Dump all your trail camera pictures in there and start uh, forecasting deer movement for this year. So it's a it's a great tool. It'll help you uh, find uh, you know some some deer movement that might put you on the buck of a lifetime. So uh, check it out. Now let's get into today's BS session podcast with Lucas Psycho. All right, on the phone with me now is I guess a good friend uh, in as far as hunting is concerned. Uh, we've known each other for a handful of years now. His name is Lucas Psycho, and he's from North Dakota. How's it going today, Lucas? Oh, going great, man. That rut is right around the corner. Couldn't be in a better spot. That's right. That's right. So I, I've I've been trying to think of how I'm going to start this conversation with you because <laughs> You know, we we get together and we bullshit every once in a while. Uh, we right. Got to get, we got together this summer and uh, had some beers and had some laughs. But uh, hey, don't what, forget that uh, the cigar, man, man. Oh, the cigar, the only one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Shared shared a couple cigars and yeah. Um, I, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell the listeners? I guess uh, where where do you live and what do you do for a living? All right. Well, I live in Northwest North Dakota, right near Williston. Uh, it's basically Boomtown, USA, in other words. Uh, the oil field is crazy up here. It's slowed down a bit. Um, I uh, actually work in the oil field for uh, a company, and I'm a lease operator. I basically manage uh, well sites. I'm responsible for getting the oil out of the ground. Okay, make, so make, <laughs> what, 
So, so what does that entail? I've always, I've never really asked oh. you about it. Well, I mean, yeah. do you, you drive around to pumps, make sure they're operating and then yeah. fix them if they're broken? Yeah. So basically a lease operator is just like, you're basically a manager of locations and everything on location is your responsibility. And, uh, your, your main objective is to just get oil out of the ground and, and maintain that as much as possible. If there's downtime, you got to call in rigs or, you know, work over rigs and get those, get those out there and get, you know, downhole issues fixed. It's, uh, it's basically, uh, a, a glorified maintenance man, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I run around from about anywhere from 20 to 25 wells a day. I, I'm actually in like a relief position right now, basically in, in, in somewhat like a, a training train other guys in here and there um okay. so I, I i relief one guy on on his days off on a route which is about 20 25 wells and then another one so i kind of bounce back and forth for, and give those guys days off and so gotcha. it, it's a it's a good it's a good gig for for a bow hunter that's for sure you kind of kind of almost work for yourself almost you don't really speak yeah. with a whole lot of people if you're experienced out there which which so, i am now well, that's good. What's uh? So, what's a typical day like? I mean, not I take it not all these wells are right next to each other. Is there right. a lot of driving right. time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some some routes are are longer than others, but normally it's anywhere from probably eighty to one hundred and twenty miles a day. You know, um, it's 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 good for for a guy that carries binoculars around, and if he's looking for for critters out there, white tails, muleys, and so I'll try to plan. Uh, running routes where I'm going by like spots where I can see <laughs> see deer at, at <laughs> particular times in the morning, you know, and uh, so I, I'm pretty spoiled when it comes to that. I can, you know, be on the clock and be pulling on location, you know, and jump out and glass something really quick, and, and then get to work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So I know you have. I know you got kids. Do you make it home every night? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I I can. See the best thing about the job is is probably about making making your own hours up. There, you know, my company I work for is is really really good about letting you kind of just do your own thing as long as you don't get out of line type you know right. type thing. And uh, so I can get up at five, you know, put in eight, nine, ten hours, you know, and be home at two, three, four, five o'clock, you know, and right. you know, and if you want to get through the day, you got something to do in the afternoon. Like I said, you can pretty much set it up to where. You know, I can make it to anywhere I need to be appointments and stuff on almost any given day. So works out Perfect. pretty nice. So you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, you, you got whitetails up there. You got muleys. Uh, I've yeah. seen pictures from your Facebook that uh, one of your buddies shot a moose this year up there. Yep. Yep. That, that's right. We got, it's getting to be, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I shouldn't be uh, carrying around a boat hunting moose you know, 90% of the time because I can put out trail cameras and, and, uh, almost every time I'll have a moose on it. doesn't matter where I put the, the cameras at. It's, they're, they're getting pretty, uh, high numbers up here. And I think, it'll, I think they're increased the, the tag, uh, the, the amount of tags that they put out in, in certain units, I think just this, this past season. So, I mean, the numbers are going up and, you know, and, and, you know, and, the, the state's recognizing it, so they're starting to hand out more tags, and hopefully, eventually, I'll uh, I'll draw one of those because I've, I've this year I've actually called in a couple of them when I was out doing some tree stand stuff uh, for whitetails, right. and uh, it's 
that's a rush, buddy. If there's one thing that'll get you shaking and, and, and almost uh, crapping your pants a little bit, it's uh, having a big bull moose come, come just swaying in and oh, get his, uh, just, yeah. I mean, one particular this year was, was, uh, was really awesome. I was up in the tree, I don't know, about three weeks ago, and there was this uh, water channel that comes off of the, the Missouri River. And uh, it's kind of like a backup water channel. I mean, right. it's really the only way to, to really describe it. It's this water that flows in off the river. And uh, as long as the river's up, it stays in there. And uh, I, was, I was right alongside it. And I was just trimming out the tree. And, and it was a windy, rainy, nasty day. This was shortly after my buddy had shot the moose. So I was already kind of amped up about moose at that point. And uh, I look across the, the channel, and, and here's this bull moose just on the cruise probably a 40 inch or so yeah and i was oh gosh oh gosh you know I, immediately i was like i gotta try to call it this thing so i gave him a couple mm, mm, and the second one he heard swung his head and he dove down through that water and came through that sloppy mud water just up to his chest like it was nothing it was just wow. incredible how powerful they are and he'd come up on the bank and uh i actually got a video clip of it on my cell phone but uh he came right into probably 30 yards. I could have shot him. It was, oh, man. I, I'm kind of addicted to him right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, won't, I won't lie. I'm, I'm pretty much, that's one of my dream hunts right there. I mean, I know elk is, is a lot of people, but for some reason, these moose have kind of gotten a hold of me over the past five years, and Yukon moose is, is right up there. But right now, if I could draw North Dakota moose with a bow, that would be pretty much top of the line right now it'd be pretty cool that'd be awesome so you guys got you guys have antelope up there at all in your yeah yeah the antelope the antelope is just kind of coming back there was there was a pretty pretty high kill off in some winter i think it was back in 2010 2009 2010 i think because we had a couple of bad bad winters and i remember that that had a lot to do with some some kill off of, of antelope and uh if I'm correct, don't, don't quote me on it, but I think I think the antelope season in North Dakota just started up. I think la- just this year, or last year maybe. Oh, so really? it was closed. Yeah, they closed it down for a couple years because uh, there was down so low. So if you go to the right areas, you'll get into them. But uh, more of it is kind of over in eastern Montana and across Montana. There is there gets to be a lot more. Right. But yeah. Well, I I know you're a whitetail freak like the majority of us but i mean have you put have you put any thought into because you've showed me pictures of mule deer giant mule deer at that have you put any thought into going after those guys at all oh yeah yeah i mean you know i've 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 went after them several times in the past uh just just because i've seen a big enough one i mean there's there's been a couple that were over 200 inches for sure that that I've, i've chased a little bit but it's just one of those things. If I could draw either or, if I could draw, because right now in North Dakota, like my general bow tag is good for a muley or a whitetail. Right. So I could actually go shoot either one, you know. But okay. it's just whatever it is. I know, you know, I'm just more drawn to the whitetail to go after them, and, and you know, I, eventually I think I'll, I'll get enough of the whitetail, and I want to take a break from it, or I'll, I'll get on a big muley and and want to stock one down. Um, but uh. I know a lot. A lot of my a lot of buddies around here. Uh, they'll they'll kind of bounce back and forth. They'll almost hunt fifty fifty. 
you know, and if they kill one, you know, they're happy with either one. And I would be too, but, you know, uh, something about this, this white tail thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, just, it calls my name every time. I could, I could, I could plan to go do muley, and I have, and uh, kind of be out in muley country and end up seeing white tails and then be chased through the white tails. Right. <laughs> just, right. just, just a magnet almost, yeah. Well, I want to kind of start at the very beginning when, let's say, I mean, have you always lived in North Dakota? Yep, yep. Okay. Northwest so, North Dakota, yep. Uh, a whole 20, well, 28 in December, I guess 28 years, yep. Okay. So who got you into hunting? Uh, an old man. Um, yep. And he, he started it up right when I started up, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he, uh, so you guys did it to kind of t- kind of together? Right. Yep. Yep. And it, he, he kind of messed around with it a little bit right before I started, but he, he got my attention because he kept going out and I was wondering what the heck is he doing? You know, like going after yeah. these things. And I was about 12, probably 12 or 13 okay. back in 2000, 2001, I suppose. Um, yeah, he'd keep coming back and he'd have these stories and I just kind of got, you know, just like I think a lot of us, we, you know, you hear the stories and, kind of just captures your your attention and you're like i want to try this this sounds freaking cool you know right and uh so so one day he uh he he took me along i didn't have a bow with me or anything but i wanted to go and we went out and and uh i can still remember it to this day like it's like it's yesterday we we set up along just a irrigation ditch basically and uh we're just on the ground he never hunts from a tree stand he never has not even because he's afraid of heights, just because he likes to stare them things right in the eyes. <laughs> he's, 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 he's crazy. That That's a guy that can tell stories, man. I'll tell you that. And hopefully one day he'll be up here and I'll let you sit down with us and I'll have him tell you stories because he right. he'll have you entertained for hours. But anyways, we're sitting there on the irrigation ditch and, and it couldn't have been a better hunt to start out with, you know, for, for me to be on because we had, I don't know, 20, 30 turkeys come out. Uh, we, we've seen pheasant, we've seen coyotes, we had deer all over the place. And, and one crazy thing that kind of just kind of grabbed me was the turkeys made their way right to us. And yeah. I was kind of scared because I didn't know, you know, what the heck they're going to do. Because like, we're on the ground, just in the grass, and they're at five, ten yards. And I'm going, oh, gosh, you know, you can, my dad could notice I was getting kind of nervous. But he said, oh, just hold on, just hold, hold still, hold still. Those things walked right into the grass, and, and one was literally two feet from me. And then I remember looking at, I was looking right in the face <laughs> and I was just waiting for him to peck me or something, attack me. And, uh, it, it, they just kind of, one eventually just kind of spotted us and they all ran off. But I remember just that, that, that elevation in the heart rate when, when something gets that close, doesn't know you're there. And that, that just basically, it stuck with me ever since it was like, that's, that's what I need to be out here for right there. That, that heart rate, just uh, adrenaline. Man, right. it gets so, me all jacked up talking about it right now, man. <laughs> exactly. So, so that was your first experience. You saw a lot of animals. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. and then, so did that continue through like middle school and high school? Did you guys go out together a lot? Did you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You so shortly, yeah, yeah. So shortly after that, um, my dad got me a got me a my first bow. I remember it was a PSE Fireflight Thirty Three. I can remember it to the to a T. I remember the day it showed up and everything. It was just jacked up. I got home from school and, and uh, dad goes, hey, look what showed up today. And we ripped that thing out and got everything all set up and, you know, the rest is history. Basically, started shooting it and and uh, I had an encounter that 
same year um, with a deer that ended up going over 180, 180-something. Oh yeah, my dad, he, and that was a buck that he was after. So so obviously we, we were after, you know, these deer that my dad knew where everything was, you know, and I just basically tagging along, and he'd tell me to sit here or sit there, and we never hunted other tree stands right away either. So yeah. I'd just be sitting on a stool or something up against a tree, and he'd say, watch this direction, deer should be coming this way, here's this trail, and, you know, and he'd, he'd move off to his other his his area and so we did that one night and this deer comes walking and at that point i haven't even really seen a buck really you know and this this buck comes around the just a little finger of willows back in the cottonwood trees i was sitting in along the missouri river and i just all right here's a here's a deer i'm gonna shoot this thing and i draw back and, and shoot and i remember looking him over and he was he was he was just he had pines everywhere i remember that and i just remember just the frame and i was I was just like, I'll draw back, I'll shoot this thing. Well, he comes out and steps out, and he gives me about a 20-yard shot. And I was, all right, right behind the shoulder, draw back, let it fly, made a crack. It looked like the arrow flew true to me. So I freak out. I'm thinking, holy cow, I just shot a deer, shot my first deer with a bow. And uh, I I pretty much just threw my bow down on the ground and and ran over to where my dad said he was going to be and and pretty much was hollering for him, doing everything you probably shouldn't do. (laughs) Like, hey, dad, dad, I I shot a deer. (laughs) And and so I I come come stumbling across him and and he's like, uh, okay, yeah, you shot a deer, you know, and, you know, he's trying trying to figure out, you know, what I seen and what I shot at and the more I described this buck to him, he goes, are you kidding me? Did you just shoot at the deer I've been after for two years? And I'm like, I don't know. This is what he looked like. He had, I think, pretty sure he had about a six side on this one. And, you know, he's like, I don't know. I just know he was a buck and I shot at him, you know. And, Not and knowing how big didn't have a 180 clue. class was. yeah. And, and to this day, I'm so thankful I didn't get the thing because that, I don't know what that would have done to me, you know, shooting mm-hmm. the 180 some inch deer on public ground in North Dakota my first my first animal you know yeah so we go in there and and uh dad's like all right where was he where was he you know and I'm like oh he come around near the willows right like he said the deer would do and and uh he stopped right here and I'm walking over there and he goes oh there's your arrow it's stuck in a cottonwood tree a baby cottonwood tree about I don't know probably inch and a half two inches in uh diameter just a tiny one and it didn't go through him but right behind it his front foot was about four inches in front of it oh boy (laughs) and 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 about four inches behind so it was literally blocking the vital and i shot it (laughs) Uh, and and of two of all places two inches right yeah yeah i mean it couldn't have been more of a, a perfect like block of an arrow i don't know it was almost like some you know i don't know if the higher power out there was like nah you can't shoot this to start off with buddy you know like here's a tree <laughs> you'll think you're better than what you really are right off the bat right exactly and there was a bunch of guys after that deer so it was you know there it was it would have been something you know and, right and and yeah it was it was quite the experience and and looking back on it now i'm just baffled that you know that actually happened and, yeah but it was pretty neat. It was pretty damn neat. So, I still felt like I won because Dad was so, so, so proud that he's like, "Well, you put the thing in the right spot. I can see where he." Because he was kind of walking in sand, right? And and where he pushed off to run, everything lined up. It was about 
I don't know, right about right above the knee height. It was a yep. dead money, you know. Yeah. So he's like, "Well, you almost had him." <laughs> Man, that nuts. Yep. So after you know, after encounters like that, and how old were you when you started breaking off and going off on your own? Maybe not necessarily yep. hunting with dad anymore. Yeah, yeah, probably. We did hunt a lot together as much as possible, but but there was a lot of days, yeah, where I'd get out, I'd get out of school, and I mean that's all I thought about right. was uh, was going bow hunting from then on, and which is probably one of the best things that could have happened. It really did keep me out of trouble, you know. Yeah. Um, I suppose I was fifteen, sixteen years old. As soon as I got my driver's license, basically, okay. I was uh, I was on the run, and I was you know I was hunting some hunting some. Uh, some spots close to home and and i know and the more and more i got familiar with the woods the more the more mom and dad kind of i don't know if mom ever really agreed with me running around out there by myself (laughs) in dark and whatever but but uh, dad dad did you know he kind of knew that once i proved myself where we would be in the woods together and i knew the direction where we needed to be going and you know and corrected him a few times i think he finally was like all right you're ready to go you're ready to go by yourself Right, right you know so about 15, 16 years old, you started going out by yourself. When did you, you know, at that point, when did you jump off the deep end, so to speak, and start living, breathing it like the 24-7, the shed hunting, you know, the summer scouting, the velvets, you know, all that stuff? Right. I would say probably probably my junior year of high school, I was probably about 17, I probably mm-hmm. was started to dive into it that deep. And, uh, I mean, I was in it deep enough to where, you know, it was me and, you know, a couple of my buddies, uh, we'd be coming back on like football from football trips. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would want to be going out and partying and stuff afterwards. And all we'd be thinking is that we got to get home, and get to sleep. Cause we got to be up at four in the morning. We got to hit the tree, you know, and, and we didn't, I mean, I don't even want to sound like a goody two shoes guy. I mean, I, I don't think I really was by any means. It's just, I was so addicted to whitetail hunting that. You know, I just didn't want to sacrifice any moment out there, you know, if I didn't have to. Right. So, yeah. Makes a lot I mean, of sense. So you, you, uh, and, and talk a little bit about, I mean, all this, all this, you've cut, you cut your teeth bow hunting on public hunting ground, right? Yep. hundred percent public for, gosh, I, I, probably up until maybe three years ago, pretty much. Okay. So yep. tell me a little bit about what you learned on public ground that maybe a lot of guys, let's say someone like myself who was almost entirely private ground. Tell me uh-huh. what you learned that maybe a guy like me wouldn't learn. I guess, I guess the one constant, the one constant, and I mean, this is, I know this has been said, you've, I mean, as many podcasts as you, you, you've done and people you've talked to, you've heard, you probably heard it and everything, but I mean, the one constant is, you can do everything right. You can be sent free. You can go in and check cameras at the right time, the right wind. You can hang the stands the right time and tr- trim everything the right time. You can do everything perfect. And so you go out and sit, you know, say I was going out tomorrow night and uh, I've done everything perfect in a spot. And I and there's I have probably 12 of those in my mind right now. I could go sit tomorrow night. But no, nothing guarantees that a guy and his daughter or, or maybe two buddies from school went tromping right through there today doing 
kind of what I was doing when I was younger or maybe just going for a walk with their, their kid, you know. And so you could be doing everything right and, and, and never even know if somebody was in there. So you can go in there and then you can be questioning, well, man, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? So I've, I've gotten to the point now, I guess if I could give anybody a one hot hot tip on, on just basically don't get down on yourself because you can do everything right and still never kill one. I mean, right. I didn't never even see something. You know, you could right. be like have such high hopes and, and totally just come crashing down, you know, because they just never know what's on. Have you had a lot of instances <laughs> where, okay – two, three nights in a row, you've seen a buck and you're like, Oh, I'm going to make a move on him. I'm going, I'm going mm. to, I'm going to get up it right at it in his bedroom. And then he's going to come out in that same place to, uh, tomorrow night and he's a dead deer. And then you go in and you, you, you know, once the sun comes up or, you know, once you're in the stand, you know, something's not right. Cause you're not seeing the deer mm-hmm. that you thought you'd see. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially back back in high school uh there wasn't as many hunters back then you know i mean the oil field wasn't wasn't rolling so it was really quiet here and uh so there was literally i I pretty much knew everybody that was hunting you know i knew everybody was hunting these spots or these spots you know and so back then like you you could see a deer multiple times and make that move and then yeah more times than not i made those moves and didn't even see the deer you know and a lot of times it might have been something i screwed up that I, I went over there right after i got done hunting and made the move set it up came back two days later well he already knew i was there you know yeah. or something i mean there's so many instances and so many variables with that especially on on public land i mean it's it can drive a guy nuts it can right. it can literally drive a guy nuts and and then in turn drive your your family nuts your wife nuts because you're you're out <laughs> you're your bitching mind. about it yeah you're going you're going you're going you're telling the wife like I don't know what the hell you know you just pace you just thinking and staring at your computer looking at trail cam photos and the maps and you're going what did I do wrong how could I do this differently you know and right. and they you know, obviously you know how that is they just shake their heads like you're yeah. out of your mind guy right right <laughs> so I've talked to a couple guys from Michigan. And, yeah. you know, uh, it's one of those things where, okay, the car's in the parking lot, so you, you should try to find another another spot. Mm-hmm. What does – tell me a little bit about public land etiquette. And, you know, there's – technically there's no rules, right? So if a guy wanted yep. to, he could walk to the tree one yard away from where you're set up and set up yep. a tree. A tree yep, stand. yep. No laws against that. Right. So tell me a little bit about maybe some public land etiquette. How do you handle a guy, you know, mm-hmm. a guy coming in or let's say you're going in and you see a guy in a tree? So I have, yeah, I have plenty of, plenty of instances where this has happened. Um, you know, I think, I think the, the main factor is, is, uh, I, I try to stay away from people. I don't even want to have this right. happen, but obviously it does happen. And so if I see a pickup in a spot, I'm like, I'm already on edge. I don't even want to go in there because I don't want to screw somebody else's hunt up because I would want them to do the same for me, you know? Right. But, uh, but there are times where, where, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just go, all right, I'll just, uh, I, I have a feeling he's probably going this direction. I'm going to go this direction. And, and there's been times where I'll be walking through and, and I'll take my time at that point because I don't want to want to mess anything up. And so over the years, I've kind of gotten a pretty good inventory of where people have their stands where people hunt you know so i can kind of look those spots over as i'm moving through 
because I'm one of those guys that that really kind of go deep. You know, I, yeah. I try to get in there deeper and uh, get away from everybody. So you know, we almost have to go past people. So, and I'd never do that. So I, if I walked in and, and I see somebody in the tree, I just I kind of if they see me, I'll just kind of give them a hand, and, like say like I'm out of here, you know, and not say anything and try to just sneak out of there. But right. uh, we have had instances where um, a guy came in once, and uh, me and Dad were on this deer we called the Willow Buck, and uh, he was uh, he was an old deer. He was I suppose seven seven years old, eight years old when we were really getting on him. It was one of those things where you were just talking about where you see a deer kind of moving through an area and you make that move. So we were way back in there, probably half mile, three quarters of a mile from uh, the nearest parking area. And uh, we'd been on this deer for the last two nights. We see him too far away and make a little move. Oh, come out over here now. And But we kind of figure out he came from this one spot both times, but he came out right here. You know, we could see where he started at. Okay. And uh, so we kind of made it a move to that point. And uh, we brought the decoy in. We brought everything. We we had a big plan on how we were going to do it. It was the rut, November 9th. I, I'm almost pretty sure it was November 9th. And uh, we got set up, got the decoy out and everything. And uh, we just just about start filming. And my dad looks over my shoulder, and he's hunting. And uh, this is, like, one of the very few times I've got him in a tree. And it's yeah. basically because I was like, Dad, we've got to be up in this tree. It's It's too perfect, you know, and. And he's like, oh, all right, you know. Right. So we get, we get up there, and he looks past me, and he goes, oh, gosh, there's a guy coming. And uh, I was like, oh, great. And so he, he climbs down, and I, I finished getting all my stuff ready up there, the camera gear and stuff. And uh, he climbs down and goes, talk to the guy. And I'm sitting there waiting, thinking, all right, he's just going to talk to him. The guy will take off, you know. Well, the guy walks past us into where the deer bed. Yeah. And my dad comes up, and he's... He's just not really that confrontational. Yeah. He just kind of came up bummed out like, well, well that's kind of it. He said he was going up here about 100 yards. And I was like, Dad, this is that's right where these things are bedding, man. They're right there. He, they, anything that, you know, we're hunting is coming right from him. You know, I mean, yeah. I got mad. I mean, I, I, this is where I'm finally growing up. I'm not the small guy anymore. <laughs> you know, junior, senior in high school. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and talk to this guy. So, so me, I get I get down. Sorry, I got a train going by here. <laughs> um, so I get up and I uh, I go walking over there. You know, I kind of sneak in there, trying to make noise, thinking, well, Rappy, hopefully, you know. Hey, buddy, one second, one second. You're kind of cutting out now. Trying to get away from that train, running around outside so you don't have to hear the kids hollering and screaming. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're just, right. you're just good starting now? to cut up. Yep. Okay. Okay. So okay. go ahead and start. Uh, start with you know you got mad and you got down and to go talk to the guy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm heading over there. I get up and I I spot him up in his tree and I, I walk up to about thirty yards and I just kind of put my hands in the air like the question mark you know like what was that all about you know like what's going on here. Yeah. And he, he goes, and he just yells, what, what's the problem? <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> and so right then I'm like, well, he kind of blew the whole quiet thing. So, all right. You know, and like, dude, I'm like, I know how the deer are back here. You're, you 
you cut us off, man. Like, what the hell? You know? And yeah. he goes, you know what? You wait right there. I'll be right down. He's, he, he's almost acting like he wanted to come down and fight, you know? <laughs> so on his way down, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get the brawl with this old dude. You know, he's an older guy. Yeah. I was like, I'm thinking I'm trying to pump myself up almost. <laughs> did, and, he, uh, did he have a tree stand already set there? Yeah, yeah. And it was okay. one of his super old one. And, and, and he had... And rightfully so, he he has hunted that area for quite a while because I know the stand has been there for a long time. And you're not supposed to leave him up on public land. Right. Uh, you know, you got to take him down a month after season closed, and you can't hang him a month before season starts. Okay. So, but it's one of those, you know, old timers is just like, nah, I'm going to leave my stands up. I'm not following that crap, you know? Right. So right. Uh, he comes down, and the closer he gets, the more he's like, he gets shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> Pretty quick, he gets right in my face, and he's looking right up, and I'm looking right down at him, and I'm waiting for him to start, you know, getting after it. And he goes, he gets walked up, and pretty soon his old demeanor changes. is like, um, oh, okay, what, what was the problem now? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean, what's the problem? I said, you're the, you're the older ethical person right here. You're the adult, you know? I said, I'm still in high school. How do you not know what's on here yeah. you know and he's like well the deer come from over here you guys should be just i'm like and he points in the direction that i've never seen the deer come from you know yeah and i'm like no 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 i said i've been hunting in here for about six seven years now i said i'm i'm not you know i'm not i'm not some kid that just doesn't know what's going on you know right. and uh finally he realized it's like okay this guy knows what he's talking about you know yeah. and so he finally goes all right all right all right uh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, I, I probably shouldn't have done that, and he's like, I just, I haven't been out in a while, and I just wanted to get into this tree, and I was like, I know, I get that, you know, I get that, and we ended up kind of smoothing it over, you know, on the way out, we actually walked out together, because we we're, we're both pretty much yelling for a little bit, you know, Yeah. so we were like, all right, well, that's about the end of that hunt, and, and so, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen the guy since, you know, so, but, uh, yeah, I've had instances where that happens and, you know, anymore, anymore, I just, I almost just kind of go, well, that's public land. And I just kind of move yeah. on my way, you know? Right. Right. I mean, cause I, I, I've heard horror stories. I mean, I've heard a majority of people respect each other. If you were there mm-hmm. first, I'm not yep. going to go in, I'm not going to ruin your hunt. You know, it's an un, kind of an unwritten rule. Yeah. Uh, you re- respect the first person in. Um, but I've also heard the horror stories where, you know, uh, there's potential fist fights out there. Oh, um, for sure. I could see how that happens. <laughs> just because yeah. you got two bullheaded people saying, uh, you know, yep. I'm after, I'm, I'm here. No, I'm yep. here. Well, I don't give a shit what you think, you, you know, yep. and it escalates. <laughs> well, you know, you just think about it. You got two guys, you know, both of them probably working a steady full-time job right. and, uh, they're both probably not getting out as much as they'd like. You know, they're kind of grumpy about that fact. Yeah. And then they, they finally got a chance to go out after these deer. They, you know, might or might might not, you know, know are there, a particular deer. But this, this, this you know, beside the fact that they're they're probably not going to be too happy. And, and I've had guys get kind of grumpy about stuff, you know, or like if you come walking in and you leave and then you end up running into them in the parking lot and they go, well, geez, thanks for coming into my spot back there. And I'm like, man, I turned around and left, you know, I, yeah. I, I was quiet. I tried, you know, like, right. and they go, well, I don't get all much. So be nice if people quit screwing up my hunts, you know, and 
<laughs> you just kind of you just kind of roll with those punches anymore. I mean, yeah. I I don't really run into too many people, um, and like and really the only time that's ever really, you know, happened and had a bad bad uh, confrontation with somebody was that one in high school that I just told yeah. you about. I've other than that, if people have come across me, they pretty much you know do what I, do what I've done is just kind of like all right, I'm I'm, I'm going to move this way, you know. I mean, we I've gone as far as you know me running into a guy when we're walking in almost and uh you go hey where, where are you going you know which where are you going to be i don't want to mess you up uh you know this and that and and that we've almost game planned with each other like hey i know i know where there's a big deer you want to come over here and we'll split up and you know and you can hunt this trail these set of trails and i'll move down here and, and we, i've done that with guys you know i was like i got my stand on my back i said i have a stand over there you can go sit this one you know i've done that before um and, and if I ever leave a tree up, a tree stand up, uh, a lot of guys get super mad and they come walking in and there's a guy in their tree. That happens a lot, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've come in and seen a guy in my tree and uh, just kind of was like, well, I left it there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I kinda, I left it there. Well, I'm, you know, and, I, and I'll put leave it up during the season, you know, some, some spots. And I'll just kind of... I've let guys just go ahead and hunt it out, you know. It's like, well, somebody might as well get some use out of that one. I'll just turn around and go this way and sit on the ground somewhere tonight or something, you know. Because, you know, the, the hunt is more important than the confrontation almost because you, you're right. not only ruining it for them, but you're ruining it for yourself too. Exactly, exactly. With all the commotion of, of him having to come down and then you, right. you know, getting – and if he gets lippy, then you'll probably get lippy. And, yeah, it's almost like, oh, I'll avoid that, you know. Right. I mean, it's good to hear – it's good to hear that a majority of the people that you run into out on these public grounds uh, are respectful of each other, you know, as far as, you know, okay, I don't want to ruin your hunt, you know, maybe I'll right. step out of the way. You know, obviously that's not everybody. There are your assholes out there. Oh, but, definitely, uh, yep. But, um, but what I've learned from, you know, listening to you talk is you kind of change your, your game plan around and, and – Talk to me a little bit about how you access um, some of your stands by boat. Okay, yep. So that's that's by far my favorite way to enter any any any, hunt, any hunting area. Um, mainly because along the Missouri River, you'll have you'll have all the timber, mm-hmm. and the timber it goes so it goes river fields. Okay, so. Obviously, you can kind of put that together, the, the deer going to the field. So if you're coming mm-hmm. from the river, you're coming in the back door, you know. Right. And uh, and I, I never did, uh, I never always used a boat because I, I was, to be quite honest, for a long time I was pretty pretty scared to even try it, you know. Yeah. I just didn't know how it would be and, you know, being on the water in the dark. and I mean, being on that big river in a boat can sometimes be a little spooky in the daylight. Right. I mean, when you right. first start out, you don't know where sandbars are. The currents are, are strong, you know, there's there's trees just barely under the surface. And, right. You know, you can, there's a whole bunch of things you can mess up out there if you're not careful. So, right. um, yeah, I, I got several places that I can put a boat in and uh, dump it in and cruise down river or up river, you know, anywhere from, I usually won't try to, to go over a mile, you know, because right. I can kind of put in, I can drive to a spot that's closer and put in there and, and come in and uh but uh that's that's by far the best i just feel like i mean you can get back in there 
what kind of advantage does that provide you? I think just just a surprise attack. You don't have to drive into a parking area, you know, next to the fields and alert all the deer like, hey, uh, you know, because they learn. They're not stupid. Yeah. They know, like, when something pulls in, or they're, they're, I think they're already looking at it, and they're going, okay, they're over there, but I still got to try to be more, you know, I think they got to be more careful. I think they almost mindfully see it, and they just, they, you know, they come through a little bit more on edge, you know? Yeah. And I, that's one thing I've just paid attention to over time is just the, the difference, you know, in the way deer act. If I've come from the river or if I've walked in and made a big circle, you know, to almost come in behind them again, you know? It's just... There's a different language, you know, that they that they speak with the body when when you're just coming in from the river. It just feels like it's like you're in a behind the scenes of deer, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, you know, you pull your boat up to the bank, right? Anchor yep. it down. You you walk up over the bank, and now you're in into the the timber or yep. what, whatever it is that you're hunting. Is are you seeing? a lot more sign are you closer to their bedding areas that way what kind of i get what kind of what are you seeing from giving them you know coming in their back door so in in the river it's so much different you know every 100 yards not every 50 yards you know like right. it could be a thicket right along the river or it could be just wide open cottonwoods so really it just comes comes down to um you know knowing the place you're going to and uh mm-hmm. You can jump right into a bedding area, right? That's one of the easiest ways to get in and out of one. I've done it even in the evening uh, where I would I would drive upriver, drive past the spot, and pretty much get up close to the bank and uh, and float down, back down to it a mile. So they don't even think that you're you're there, you know? You right. can pretty much drive upriver. They think you shut off your boat way up there, and they're, you know, they, they probably don't think that, okay, he's down here, you know? So, uh I'll float down and then, and then bank where I want to hunt and then walk in maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 yards to a tree and creep in there. And you walk, you know, like a deer, you know, you try to yeah. take a few steps and, you know, I don't, I don't mind making noise at all. I don't mind breaking branches. What deer break branches, you know, they break branches. Sometimes they sound like cattle moving through the trees, you know, it's yeah. just, uh, I think making noise like that is just a timing thing. If it's a constant thing, I think right away they know that isn't a deer. They don't, you know, other than in the rut, <laughs> you know, that, right. that big old buck comes just plowing through and he doesn't care. He's just got his nose in the air and he's just coming in there, you know. But, I mean, 90% of the time, though, I mean, if you just kind of go in there and you can break sticks as loud as you want as long as it's here and there, you know, and then stand and listen and just wait. Act like deer. You can walk right in there, deer's bed in 20 feet, you know, 20 yards from the tree and, wouldn't get up it probably sees you you know right okay so so are you more successful on those those boat hunts where you're coming in their back door is that more of a morning strategy or an evening strategy well during the rut during the rut i'll use it both morning and evening just depending on what i'm going to do but uh mostly it'll be morning because you know most of the season isn't rut so so it's uh it's coming in by boat and sneaking into either a, a travel corridor or going to a bedding area. You normally won't want to jump right into a bedding area early season, kind of stay out of it. Um, there are spots that I do just jump right in them because that's the only place that there isn't people at, other hunters. So right. you just kind of, with all this public land, it's it's like 
you can take all the chances, you know. I should say you're you're going in there via boat during the, you know, not necessarily early season, but it's more of a rut tactic. Oh, coming off the river. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, normally, well, you know, it, I'll I'll use the boat all year round from September all the way to when it freezes up. You know, and usually the river freezes up sometime in November, so okay. usually I can get lucky and get by with uh, freeze up happening right towards the tail end of the rut, you know, end of November, you know. Okay. And uh, so I can go from September all the way to November, and I'll, and I'll use that 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 strategy probably uh, probably 50% of the time, I would say, that, it, you know, if I if I feel like I need to sneak in there that way, I'm, I'm going to do that, you know, nine times out of ten instead of walking. One, you don't have to walk as far, which is always nice when you're carrying all the gear that, you know, like you and I carry with camera gear and stands usually and so it's it's one thing that's nice about you know cut back on on the back you know cutting all that carrying and then uh but in the rut like i said i'll I'll use it you know if i get off work or something and uh i'm thinking "Ah, you know there's you know maybe it's rifle season or something and i know there's gonna be a lot of people in those easy access spots you know just drive up and hunt maybe i'll uh i'll just jump in the boat head up to the river i'll know a spot that i'm gonna be downwind of a bedding area and i'll just sit there the last three four hours and uh hopefully something's gonna come strolling by behind the bedding area you know trying to catch wind of something right but uh, i can't remember the guy's name man i should know this but he he killed a buck and i'm i again i i don't even know what state it was i don't know the guy's name so if you're listening i'm sorry but he took a boat (laughs) across uh, across the lake and he's like you 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 hear them running around in there and they don't even acknowledge you. Yeah. So, yep. He it was a strategy that that worked started working for him and he uh, he was successful one particular uh, season. But kind of keeping on the public land, but more focusing more on what you act the areas that you actually hunt. What does the 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 terrain look like on this North Dakota public ground that you hunt? Um. It's thicker than I think most people would, would think it's going to be, because uh, in the river bottoms of North Dakota, there's actually trees. Yeah, you believe it or not, there's there's trees down <laughs> in the river bottoms. Because well, most of North Dakota is just you know plains. It's just grassy, yeah. rolling hills, and you know you got some bluff country and stuff like that. But you get into the river bottoms and the Missouri River bottoms, and and it, it's thick. I mean, it's you got cottonwoods, you got willows, you got diamond willow. I mean, all these all these different trees. You got ash. There's, they just get so mangled together in some of them thick spots that it's literally you can't penetrate it. You can't go into it. If you're going right. to go through it, you're going to be walking on top of two or three feet of brush, you know. Yeah. And you're basically almost tunnel through that stuff. And uh, big cottonwoods, uh, Russian olive bushes. Well, I think they're a tree, actually. Russian olive trees. They're kind of like a bush, though. Yeah. And uh, they're thorny. Um uh, lately, it's had a lot of weed growth. We had lots of weeds growing up. Uh, Canadian thistle, um, lots of lots of lots of stuff like that. That's kind of a noxious weeds growing up here and there. And you know, and I know the game and fish and Corps of Engineers and stuff uh, that own most of these public lands I hunt are you know are trying to chip away at spraying a lot of this stuff. But ever since the flood back in big mega flood back in 2011, the summer of 2011, it it uh, it really 
just hammered the, the, the river bottoms. This killed off a lot of the younger younger growth trees and brush and grasses and brought in a bunch of weeds and it just kind of turned the woods upside down. It was just kind of a nasty place to be and it's finally kind of coming back around. A lot of the a lot of the trees are the the new new growth trees are getting tall enough and it's killing off a lot of the undergrowth, the weeds and all that stuff that are, that were growing and they're getting natural grasses back and so it's becoming what it used to be here and there. Okay. But uh so so you know you got your river and that's like the lifeblood of the area obviously because on both sides you got both sides of the river you have um timber thickets or willow thickets like you said but then out past that do you have ag fields or does that go then right into the prairie nope so so all the river bottoms are is river and all the timber and ag fields that's that's the whole river bottom i mean you've you won't see like a really open grassy, grassy area because it's all been tilled up and there's, there's crops, you know? And so, so yeah, but right on the edges, you go up the bluffs and the hills on the north and south sides and, and, uh, you're right into the grassy, grassy country up there. And, and, uh, yeah, that's where you're going to find most of your muleys, you know, is up that way. They don't really spend any time in the river bottoms for the most part. So it's kind of two different worlds right next to each other it's kind of kind of cool it's very cool right so so how many best guess if you, maybe you know maybe you don't how many uh, how many public land acres do you have access to oh gosh yeah you know i, I thought about that i thought about that this year i think i was listening to i think i was listening to one of the wired wired to hunt podcasts and it made right. me think about that and i was i didn't look it up but i want to and uh, maybe maybe what I'll do is I'll just kind of post that you know on on your uh, on your page when you right. post this, and I'll kind of kind of come up with an, an at least an estimate for for what I I usually use you know okay. there is so much up here it's, it's crazy it, it, it there's a lot there's got to be millions you know of acres right so yeah. it basically just allows you to I mean and North Dakota obviously isn't one of the uh, most populated uh, states in the nation. But yeah. you, you yeah. kind of, it sounds to me like you live in an area where there is a higher concentration for the state of North Dakota in your, in your little area because of the oil. Um, yep. Yep. I mean, is there still enough ground where you can go out and disappear by yourself for a while? Oh, for sure. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and, and within the last, uh, last year, you know, two years and everything, the oil field kind of slowed down. Um, a lot of people have left and, uh, a lot of tree stands were left. So it, you know, you'll walk into a spot and you're thinking, I can't hunt here. Like stand there, stand there, stand there. But you can go up to them and basically see like, okay, nobody's been to this thing and how long, you know, it's, it's got branches growing up through the platform and all that stuff. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of places. And I mean, that's pretty much what I hunt is, is the stuff that's out away from most everybody. So that's why I kind of. I don't really have the encounters like I used to, you know, like kind of learned enough about this place that I can be working and looking at a wind and I'll have 14 different options. And that's kind of half the problem sometimes is going, <laughs> picking one of those options, you know, contemplating. So, and, and that's, that's kind of my favorite thing about public land is, you know, it, it's our, it's our land, you know, it's my land, it's your land, it's, you know, it's, it's the people's land. So it's, it's, it's literally like owning your own land 
but you're sharing it with a bunch of people, you know, but there are, there are spots. If you, if you do the, do your work, do your homework and you're willing to put in, you know, some miles or, or even jumping in a boat, you'd be surprised. And, you know, I'm sure this happens in all kinds, you know, a lot of States that if you just willing to do what most people don't do. You can, you can find little pockets that you can hunt for years that feels like your own private little section of woods that, you can kill a big deer in every year, you know? Right. right. So now, now transferring, pivoting kind of to, to a gear question. Um, uh-huh. I think me and you kind of hunt a little bit of the same way. We both do a lot of run and gun setups, you know, going in, no tree stand, everything we need is on our back, you know, no tree stand previously set up. Um, is that how you were brought up to hunt? And I mean, talk to me about maybe a little bit about the progression of, uh-huh. of teaching yourself or having your dad teach you, uh-huh. you know, to, to bring in all your stuff and efficiently set up a tree stand to hunt a deer that particular night. Yep. Well, I, I think the best way to answer that one is, uh, like this, I think what happens to all of us, it's a trial and error, you know, <laughs> you basically, you try it one way. Okay, I didn't. That didn't work. I didn't like that. You know, I did not like how that worked. But, but I did start out hunting on the ground, like I said. And, uh, and so once I got into hunting, and then I started watching hunting shows. I got into I got into DVDs big time. Like I was I was collecting like Primos and Monster Bucks and you know and Lone Wolf, you know the Lone Wolf videos, the Quisto and those guys. And I mean, I I just couldn't wait for new DVDs to come out, and I'd buy every single one of them. And so I started seeing all these guys hunt from tree stands, you know, and I, and I initially held out from a lone wolf for years just cause, well, I didn't have any money, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I was like, well, just like every other, a lot of, a lot of guys are just like, I can't justify that, you know, spending that money. So, you know, you buy that cheap. Like I, my first uh, tree stand I owned though was a ladder stand. So I bought a ladder stand. Me and my dad, he helped me pitch it in and bought one with me and, uh, hung that thing. And, uh, Hunted out of that, killed uh, several deer, several deer out of that. It was a river's edge, like a twenty footer. It was right. one of the old, very one of the very very first ones I think they came out with. And uh, from from there, I, I kind of started to see see guys getting to be where they were mo- they were mobile, you know. And and I was like, gosh, I can't be moving this ladder stand all the time. So. So then I got into the river's edge hang on stand, had the old chain. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it had the old chain that went around and you hooked it, you know, and then you had a ratchet strap on the base. If you, uh, if, if you weren't scared of just hanging on the chain, a lot of guys with this chain, I see, you know, you shake your head when you see them. You're like, God, the thing just wobbles when you're up there, you know, and I don't think anybody was wearing harnesses back then either. I don't even know if they had them out, but, right. but, uh, so that went from there and that's why I was jumping around in a bunch of different uh, cheaper hang-ons for a long time, packing those in and out back through high school. And I got into, a, I think, a loggy bayou. That was like my next step closer to a lone wolf. It wasn't a lone wolf, but it was like another step closer. And uh, finally, finally, I saved up enough cash in the summer working and, and bought me a lone wolf, set up three sticks and a lone wolf assault and Oh, I haven't looked back since because right away I was like, gosh, I wish I'd had one of these a long time ago. Cause then I strapped it up and I was going to town and I was jumping all, all over the place, you know? Right. So obviously I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question, but obviously good gear 
kind of costs a little bit more money. Right. But it sounds to me like you're, you know, you getting that lone wolf and three sticks kind of opened up a door for you to just try and do so many more things. Yeah. And, and, and areas it opened up a, a whole nother, you know, a whole nother vast area that I never would have hunted because I was never thought that I can't carry these things that far, you know? And, you know, if you're by yourself, I mean, you're carrying them. They're normally 30, 40, 50 pound stands, you know? And it was, yeah, not going to do that. And so I think the biggest thing with, with jumping in with the lone wolf was, was just like you said, I, I no longer was restrained at all. It was, all right, where do I want to go? When do I want to do it? How am I going to get there? And I'm going to throw this thing on my back and go. And that's kind of, that's kind of how it evolved over since. And, and to this day, I might hang, you know, eight to 10, you know, stands here and there and leave them hanging for the year, for the season. But I, almost 90% of the time I'm hanging and hunting. I, I just, it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> we go out and put all that work in in the summer sometimes. Right. <laughs> you're going out and you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be perfect. This is going right. to be great, you know. And, and <laughs> you just never even go back to those spots. And you, it's, I laugh sometimes. I'm like, right. well, I, that was a good four hours of my, my day. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and never even went back to it, you know. And right. yeah, I, I do that ta- all the time. I was talking to my boss today. He's new into hunting, and he's got some ladder stands and or uh, some hang-on stands. And I was telling him, you know, I I have seven, no, I have six tree stands right now that are hung in the tree, and I have one running gun set, and oh, yeah. I have I have yet to hunt out of one of those pre-hung sets, and I have <laughs> yet to hunt one location twice. So that tells you that tells you how guys, you know, me and you yeah. just it's every every time it's different oh man yeah that's 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 just it too man like you can, like i said i every year every year i do it i go out and uh you know i always have y'all you know we always have those spots in our minds that it's right. like oh, i gotta i gotta get in there i gotta get in there you know you just kind of put it off it might even be put off for years and then you're finally just shedding hunt, shed hunting through there and then you actually take a time take time to look around and then like look it over and you're like, okay, that tree, I'm coming back in June or something. And, uh, you make it back and set it all up and the season goes by and you're like, ah, oh, man, I, I didn't even make it, didn't even make it back there. <laughs> yeah. You, forget you got a tree stand up. Well, yeah, it, it might not even be that. Cause sometimes a lot of times I'll do a, I guess I haven't talked, talked about this. I'll, I'll take my, my lone wolf and my sticks and, you know, in and I'll, I'll, uh, gosh, sounds like we're plugging lone wolf here then. <laughs> <laughs> don't mean to but i mean that's pretty much that's a big big deal and you know it's a big part of what i do so but anyways i'll take that in a lot of spots and i'll just get trees prepped you know just get them prepped and then i'll just come in and 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 just put the stand up and, and hunt it you know i mean a lot of the problems you know as you know just getting in there quietly without having to break a whole lot of branches the day you hunt is kind of you know one of the big keys so right well, man, I, I say we end this with tell me a tell me a story about a time that you were successful on a, a good buck mm-hmm. with a run and gun setup. Tell oh, me, right on. Break break it down. We're going to end it with a cool story. All right. So uh, this would have been 
gosh, what year? I lose all these years, man. And these these deer. It would have been the bison buck. Yeah, I remember. You might remember the film, the video of that one, but because I, I, I right after I shoot him. <laughs> Oddly, I go kapow, <laughs> like like I just blasted it with a with my two seventy or something like that. So, but anyways, I uh, I knew of this 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 area, and this is one of those uh, cruise in by boat things, and uh, it was a spot that it's basically landlocked, and uh, meaning landlocked is it's all private around this public land, and the only way to get to it is by boat. You got to come from the river, oh, nice. and so. I made my way up the river and uh, got in there and I had a good idea on my map of where I wanted to sit. And I got in there and it was one of those where everything was going wrong that morning. Like the motor motor on my boat wouldn't start right away. It took me about 15 minutes to get that rolling. And, and then getting up to the bank, you know, I, I hit the sandbar like, and it was, I hadn't been there in you know months. So the river had dropped. And so I'm stopped and there's still like, 50 yards of water but the, it, the water you know and the sandbar just kind of was starting to come up out of the out of the river you know as it dropped and so i, I basically got stopped out there had to trudge through the water and pull my boat the rest of the way in the river and nothing was going right and i remember just being frustrated and i got in there and i was kind of mad so i just ah, whatever just hacked away at limbs and got whatever i needed to do cut and got set up and was pretty much mad and thinking like, Oh, that's, that was a horrible, a horrible time getting to this tree this morning and got set up and finally settled down a little bit, stopped sweating, you know, and, and, uh, finally started to hear some deer moving. It was still dark and heard some grunting and that kind of changed my mind right away. I was like, okay, okay. All right. These deer don't aren't freaked out about anything here. Maybe I got something going on and, uh, it finally got light and I had a couple deer come past me and seen a couple bucks in the distance making their way through, bumping the doe. And there was probably, I think at that time, three bucks in that, in that, in them, uh, that woods that I would have shot. So I kind of was feeling like I had a good chance from that point when I seen the deer move, moving and acting like they were, I think it was, uh, November 19th. That's right. Cause my dad was, my, my dad was actually that morning up on the bluffs above the woods that I was hunting and he was kind of looking out for the mule mule deer that we've been seeing over there too. So he, he was up top. He could see down into the stuff I was hunting and the egg fields out there. And so it's his birthday. So it was, it was kind of cool how it all happened. But uh, anyways, I, I finally spotted doe coming down the sandbar along the river, right on the outside edges of the willow line. And uh, right after her come a little buck and, he was grunting. He was just a little tiny grunt they make, you know, and it almost sounds funny. And right, right after he comes through and uh, comes into the thicket, right behind him, here comes here comes the buck named Bison Buck because he was he was such a big, big body deer. Didn't have didn't have the best rack on him at all. Maybe one twenty five, one thirty class. Just an older, just bruiser buck, you know. And that's yep. basically all I'm looking for every year is that type of buck. I don't care what the hell his horns look like. Um, so he comes, and uh, it was almost like he was running behind a little bit. Like the, the little buck might have got the doe running, and then he got out in front, and the big buck was trailing. He might have been run down a little bit by then, maybe. But uh, they kind of got into the thick stuff by me, and uh, the, big, the, the bison buck kind of run off the little buck and kind of broke away from the doe to chase the little guy off, and he came right to the base almost, I don't know, eight, eight to ten yards from my tree, 
and I got drawn back on him and and uh, drove one right through his shoulder. I mean, right in the money. I mean, the heart the heart was uh, punctured about halfway through when we gutted him out. It was like one of those perfect shots. Yeah. Just left a nice nice triangular shape in it, and it was it was <laughs> it was awesome. Shot him, filmed him, ran and ran about fifty yards away, watched him tip over. Is and then obviously I go kapow. I <laughs> 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 still to this day, you know, that's one of those things too. Like when you shoot a deer, the, the crazy things you think and and say, and and it's funny you don't remember it. You know, You're like yeah. you don't remember play. exactly <laughs> what you did or what you said. So it's kind of cool when you film it because you get to kind of look back and, and laugh at yourself because most times it's the stupidest stuff. You know, it's, right. it just whatever comes out, it's all emotion. You know, right. But, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite hunts in uh, a long time. I I tell you what, man, Lucas, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, uh, taking time out of your day to – I know you got kids probably screaming inside. Mine are screaming upstairs. (laughs) Yep, Uh, yep. But uh, thanks for coming on the show, and let me say good luck to you this season. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It was fun, you know. Obviously, we could do this anytime, and I'd be welcome to come back or whatever. Or just call me anytime, man. I love chatting with you. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Lucas for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day, man, to uh, to do that. Uh, I recommend moving away from a railroad tra- uh, tracks, uh, but that's just me. Uh, other than that, man, uh, good luck this season to Lucas. Good luck to see this season to each and every one of you. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening and. You know, I mean this from the bottom of my heart when I say I hope everybody out there has a successful season. Uh, and you can definitely, if you put in the blood, sweat, and tears, you can definitely do that. Uh, huge shout out to our sponsors, Deer Lab and Exodus uh, Trail Cameras. Be sure that if you guys are going to purchase an Exodus Trail Camera, enter the code nine fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers at checkout, and you will receive twenty dollars off your order. So uh, not only do we have good deals with Deer Lab, but we got uh, a great deal with uh, Exodus Trail Cameras and passing on a little savings to you guys. Hey man, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, follow me on Facebook. Obviously, subscribe. Uh, to this podcast and uh, if you like it leave a review on iTunes and uh, I I say this every time you know we're going to be spending more and more time in the tree over the next couple of weeks and uh, it's very important that as our mind shifts to deer we are still thinking about safety and uh, so wear your damn safety harness have a good weekend